Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. I want to welcome back a friend of the show, Joshua Warner. Josh is the writer for the Winchester Mystery House um, miniseries, is from Source Point Press. He is here to promote this new limited series and um, his trade paperback, um, Jay Warner Presents Pulp Classic um, Trade. Um, now, also to the Winchester Mystery House um, number two, um, I know when you guys listen to this episode, um, it just came out on November 24th. Issue number three will be coming out on December 29th, and the order code for that is O, C as in Charlie, T as in Tom, 211752. Also to um, Jay Warner Presents Pope Classic Trade is out in stores right now. So, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's been an incredible uh, past couple months. <laughs> Just yeah. all the things that are happening right now and um, all the hype around this new series. I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, for more, for more of Josh's origin story, you know, please check out the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, episode 625. Now, let me, uh, just for new listeners, um, I just, you know, Josh is the chief creative officer of Oxide Media Inc. Now, it is the, par- now, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. It is the parent company of Deepwater Games, so, um, Source Point Press, and 3N Art Design. Is that correct? N3, yep. Oh, yeah. So those are kind of our three arms, and uh, and Source Point was is the oldest of the three, and then N3 and Deepwater came on when we made this big conglomerate, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So we we have a whole line of products across the three companies, including uh, publications and and games, card games, board games, and gaming accessories, and uh, and art prints, and all sorts of great stuff. Okay. And also to Josh is also the co-founder and art director of SourcePoint Press. And he is the recent winner of the 2021 Gary Reed Independent Creator of the Year Award. Now, Josh, are you, um, you know, can I ask you, can you just give listeners what, what that award is about and how much did it mean to you to win this award this year? Oh, it meant the world to me. Um, so this, uh, this award is, is in Gary Reed's name. Uh, for those who don't know, Gary Reed was the founder of Caliber Comics, which um, launched the careers of so many, uh, so many huge names in the industry today. Um, a lot of great, uh, great IPs originated there. It was one of the earliest um, popular creator-owned publishers. Um, when Image came on the scene, they very much kind of used uh, at Caliber Comics as a template. Uh, on top of that, Gary also worked at, at and he helped them as well. Gary was um, kind of a consultant during that time. Uh, he, he's also worked for other publishing companies. He's also, um, he worked for McFarland Toys. He was one of the original leaders on that. He was the vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's uh, incredible how much he's done for this industry. And yet a lot of people don't, don't know uh, his name, don't know his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, he's, he's written over, you know, a hundred comics himself. Um, he passed away and they um, started doing this in his name uh, and he was a big mentor of mine and um, offered me a lot of advice when we were starting SourcePoint Press Mm -hmm. and um, he also gave me a lot of my first freelance work in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, He was, 
he was a big, big part of my life, especially in this world. Uh, the, the award is intended to, to be given to someone who, um, who's, who's very active in the industry, uh, who is willing to do just as much for others as they do for themselves, um, who uh, is helping to, to raise up independent voices in, uh, in comics specifically. So um, uh, I was absolutely blown away <laughs> that I won, uh, that the final nominees were all, uh, they're all people that I collaborate with and I'm dear friends with. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, Garrett Gunn, Christina Blanche, Karina Joe, and myself. Mm -hmm. So um, we were all thrilled that all four final nominees were SourcePoint Press related um, mm -hmm. uh, people in the industry. And uh, I, was, uh, I was just astounded when I got the, <laughs> when I got the award. I, I, I was so confident that I wasn't going to win that I actually had not prepared a, pe a speech for it. Mm -hmm. But um, I did one on the spot and, and having been the only person, only one of the final nominees who knew Gary, you know, personally, um, I, I had a lot to say on, on him and the subject. So it went fine, but I did get a little bit emotional uh, at one point, <laughs> um, but it all, it all went pretty well. And uh, I'm honored, so honored. In fact, uh, I know people can't see this, but sitting right behind me right now, the award is actually on my shelf behind me. No, but um, Josh, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. And for listeners, you know, for, you know, to, to read about, um, you know, um, Josh winning the uh, Gary Reed Independent Creator of the Year Award, um, you can go to the SourcePoint Press website, click on, I believe it's the, the news section, and they have an article written on there too, if I remember, oh, that's right. if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah, our uh, marketing associate can put that together. It's really, really nice. Super thoughtful. Yeah. Like, yes. But uh, Josh, thank you very much for sharing that. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask, where can listeners follow you and SourcePoint Press um, on any of the social media platforms? So uh, you can find SourcePoint Press on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, it's pretty, pretty easy to find if you search SourcePoint Press. Uh, on Twitter, it is SourcePT Press because mm -hmm. SourcePoint Press is just a little bit too long. Um, for me personally, uh, Joshua Frantic, all one word. You can mm -hmm. find me at, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, and if you like just seeing behind the scenes stuff of what's going on here at the office, what's going on at conventions and travel and on the road and sneak peeks at artwork and all sorts of cool comic and fun stuff. Definitely, yeah, shoot, shoot me a follow and I'll follow you back. Oh, but thank you very thank you very much. And Josh, yeah, before I jump into things, I want to thank you. I know you're following me on Twitter. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love following you on Twitter. You're a great person to follow on Twitter. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, so, the Win so the Winchester Mystery House, it's a, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a six-part miniseries, correct? Uh, it is the first volume is three issues actually oh, three sorry. monthly issues and that kind of um, so the way it's broken up is uh, my ultimate goal is to be able to cover all of Sarah Winchester's life um, and but to be able to do it in in bite size um, so it's kind of like the main points of the history of the house so uh, as it's all built 
based on how much the readers want. If the readers want more, I, I, I'm able to continue. So um, the first volume is just three issues and it kind of covers about 10, the first 10 years of the house. Okay. And it does wrap up a story. So issue three will wrap up a, a, a big plot point that comes about in issue two. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we take a break. And then already just from, from where we're at right now with issue one being in stores and issue two being mm -hmm. about to hit, we've already been able to see enough of the pre-orders. They're we were blown away by how much people uh, are, are excited for this and it has allowed us to green light uh, volume two. So next year, volume two, will move a little bit forward in time. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be centering around the 1906 earthquake um, that tore down seven stories of the mansion. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as long as people are still enjoying that and we, and we still have um, a good audience for it, then I get to come back and do a volume three after that, which will be another three issues. And that will, um, that will take us up further into uh, towards the end of Sarah's life. So um, right now it's, it's nine issues is what it's scheduled for total uh, in three issue slots. And then there is a lot of, um, I have a lot of things worked up for possible one shots as well. Um, if, if people are hungry for them. So there's, there's so much more and so much history and so much more to tell. So fingers crossed. Okay. Now for listeners, you know, um, I have been to the, um, to the Winchester Mystery House a couple of times. So I, I am familiar with the history surrounding this famous house. Now, Josh, I'm going to ask you, you know, what is the story about? For listeners so, that don't know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So the Winchester Mystery House is, is like, as you said, a real place. Um, it is a place that people can visit. It is kind of the, the big original haunted mansion. It's, it's the place that... that inspired Stephen King to write Rose Red and Shirley Jackson to write The Haunting of Hill House and uh, inspired Disney's Haunted Mansion. Essentially the entire genre of, of haunted mansion fiction really spawned from this big American uh, uh, house. It's, um, it's kind, of, kind of amazing that way. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people, uh, they put it on their bucket list to travel. It's thought to be one of the most haunted places in the world. Uh, and what's most fascinating and mysterious about this house was its, um, its construction and its purpose. So Sarah Winchester was the, um, she was the heiress to the Winchester Repeating Arms Fortune. Uh, mm -hmm. She got about half of the company when her father-in-law uh, died and then the, it passed down to her husband and then he died. And at this point they had already lost um, their baby daughter as well leaving her kind of alone and with half this company. Uh, and she decided to take this and basically create a whole new economy in San Jose, California by employing hundreds of people to work on never ending construction mm -hmm. uh, that did not stop until the day that she passed away. Um, so 38 years of nonstop construction on this just giant labyrinth of a home, uh, often having very specific and, and bizarre requests. Mm -hmm. uh, and the house that we're left with today has a lot of uh, peculiarities that, that are, people don't understand you know, why they're there, such as um, there's like a window in the middle of the floor. There's uh, a staircase that just ends. It goes to nothing, uh, a ceiling, and um, doorways that drop off uh, to nothing at all, if you were to step through them, you might fall two stories off the side of the house or you might fall two stories down within the house. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a magical place though, absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and fascinating. Every room is, is engaging and you just wanna spend time in there. Um, but the, the thing that draws people the most from around the world is the lore 
the supernatural lore that surrounds the history of this house. So it's thought that, that Sarah Winchester believed that she was cursed uh, and haunted by the ghosts of everyone who had been killed by the Winchester rifle. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, that was a lot of people. And um, they call this mansion the house that spirits built because the ghosts were the ones that were requiring this. She was building it for them. She was getting all of her instructions on what to build next each day from a seance room that she would visit at midnight in the house every night. And, um, and as the stories go, uh, she was essentially housing and confusing all of these spirits that would roam within this big, huge labyrinth of a mansion, uh, because it really only a few people lived in that house. There was, uh, the rest of these rooms were, were empty. Um, and, uh, and that has been enough to keep people just fascinated by this place um, to this day. And it remains extremely fascinating to me, especially. <laughs> now, um, how did, yeah, how did, how did you come up with this story? You know, what drew you to writing, you know, the Winchester Mystery House series? So I've, um, I've been fascinated with the house for a really long time. I hadn't visited it. I had, I had read about it and I had watched documentaries about it. And um, I found Sarah Winchester to be an absolutely fascinating person. And the more I read about her, the more interested I got in this because I realized that she was um, – she was a, a just amazing, incredible person. Um, she was absolutely brilliant. She spoke several languages. Uh, she was always the smartest person in the room. Um, she was steps ahead of everyone. Uh, she, a lot of things that we take it for granted now as being, you know, um, modern uh, were things that she was installing in the house sometimes 10, 20 years before anyone else did. Uh, you won't find her name on a lot of patents because she wasn't really interested in patenting a lot of her things, but it's thought that she has actually invented a lot of, of things that we use now regularly in houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she was one of the first people to have a, you know, fully functioning shower and toilets and um, just really, um, really incredible. Some of the things she came up with for uh, communicating with people in, within such a huge space, you know, across across the hundred rooms, you know, she could communicate to a nursing staff. Um, anyway, I'm going on a major tangent. I, I've just been extremely fascinated with it. And when um, uh, the Winchester movie came out, the movie just titled Winchester, I was extremely excited. I saw it right away. Mm-hmm. I thought Helen Miriam was phenomenal in the role. Um, and I loved seeing all these different rooms in the house. Um, but I always kind of wished that there it would have been more of a television series rather than a movie mm-hmm. because we only got to see one sliver, one moment, you know, in this house's long history of its construction. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get a lot of time with um, any of the side characters, mainly like the people who were building the house. Um, mm-hmm. Her foreman is in the movie, but he's just there very briefly. And he was such a huge integral part of, of her relationship with the workers, with mm-hmm. her relationship with the house itself and with its construction. And I always thought it would be great to tell the story uh, periodically in, you know, across time. So we got the opportunity to um, discuss this with the licensors when, uh, when my friend and collaborator, John Brieger, came up with this concept for a board game. Uh, we have a game in-house that he worked on called Floor Plan, and it's a, it's a house designing game. And he said, what if we had a Winchester Mystery House edition of this where Sarah is your client and you are working as competing construction crews to try to build this mansion. 
And we thought, what a great idea. We have the perfect template for such a game. We can build on it. We can add new rules. We can figure out how to pull the spirits of the house into the game play as well. Um, and so we did. We, we set to work on, on putting together a nice pitch for the licensors, and they were thrilled. They thought this was a great idea. And, um, and while we were there, I said, if you are looking for anything further, we do comic books. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I have a pitch written up for what I would do if mm-hmm. I was doing just Mystery House comic. And it turns out we were really just aligned in our thinking, mm-hmm. um, one of the, especially with how we think about Sarah. So I really wanted a story that would, that would show Sarah for who she was, which was someone who was strong, strong-willed, mm-hmm. kind, though, and very generous, um, philanthropic. And she also um, was just incredibly intelligent, but private, reserved, mm-hmm. and there kind of pulls in a lot of the, you know, mysterious as a result. So this was, you know, a lot of people, uh, they portray her as being kind of cold and distant because of her mourning and because of her privacy um, and other portrayals have shown her as being potentially mentally ill. It was a lot of people yeah. thought that this was all because she was crazy. And I have done enough research to say that no one who knew her well actually knew her thought she was crazy for a single second. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to kind of just erase that idea from this. Uh, although we know that like that would be the gossip among the town or even the gossip among the workers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get, into Sarah's mind a little bit more. And they, they loved that approach. Um, they, we were very much in line with, with you know, how we wanna um, pay tribute to her story and her legend and uh, do it with the mo- utmost respect while also cre- creating this great ghost story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, I was thrilled when they, they said, let's, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I went to do was start assembling a team um, to work on this, including a writer, uh, when I realized that it just, I wasn't sure I was going to find someone who cared as much about this as I did, mm-hmm. uh, and who was as familiar as, with the house as I did, and who understood my vision for it. So I decided that I should write it myself, um, that I really was the best person for the job. And, uh, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Yes. And then, um, so your creative team, so um, can you go over who is on your creative team, your artists? So yes, the first you. person that I contacted was Dustin Irvin. Um, he is a phenomenal artist. He, he worked on uh, a comic book for us called The Seance Room. Mm-hmm. And The Seance Room was a haunted mansion story that mm-hmm. took place. It was Victorian architecture and uh, because of this, I was able to see exactly how he would treat, you know, um, 1800s rooms and, uh, you know, the, the Winchester Mystery House itself has its own seance room. Yes. And um, I was able to really get a feel for it and say, like, he is the perfect person for this. I can't think of anyone better. So um, I, I kind of lassoed him in. He's a busy, busy guy, but mm-hmm. I managed to get him on the creative team for this. And I'm so glad that I did. We spent a lot of time talking and going over reference and making mm-hmm. sure things are historically accurate. Uh, meanwhile, one of my favorite artists in the world, Ryan Quackenbush, uh, I contacted him uh, to see if he would be interested in doing our B covers. So every cover has a second, a second cover mm-hmm. and, uh, and that you can collect that's done by Ryan Quackenbush. And he came up with just these beautiful concepts with very like small loose prompts that I gave him. Uh, he, he, he did a phenomenal job. Uh, unfortunately, Dustin had to leave the, uh, the book after issue two. Mm. Um, 
So uh, Damian Torres is stepping in on all artwork, uh, all pencils and inks going forward. And uh, Hota Cabral is taking over on colors. And, uh, and then for letters for the entire series is Justin Birch, who's one of my personal favorite letterers and favorite people to work with. So um, it's, a, it's just an, an all-star team. I'm so proud of everyone. Uh, I'm sad to lose Dustin, but so very excited to have Damien on board. Um, they, he is a perfect replacement. Uh, his, he, has a, he brings a style of his own to the book. I can't wait for everybody to see his work on issue three. It's just beautiful. Um, but he also, uh, he really captured the characters um, that, that Dustin had helped to yes. kind of create. So all of their, we, we spent a lot of time discussing, you know, body language and how people would physically, each character would physically react in every scenario. And, uh, and he just, he caught it. He, he jumped right onto it and he's, he's bringing kind of his own magic to the series. I'm just so happy. Um, for listeners, you know, um, if you guys get a chance, you know, if your local comic shop still has issue number one, I encourage you to pick up, you know, issue number one. I've read it. It's, I love it. It's really great. I am, uh, me and Josh talked a little bit before the interview, you know, we talked about the slow burn. Like I said, it, the story really pulls you in. It really does. And, you know, Josh, I'm going to mention, I don't have this in my notes, but you know, but um, when you talk about Sarah Winchester, um, you know, because I, you know, I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm one of those, I didn't know too much about her. All I knew was about the house and I kept going, yeah, it sounds like she, there was something going on, but now you're telling me that, no, she's more than just someone, you know, she's more than this. She, she's very intelligent. She spoke, speaks several languages. You know, she's, you know, and it was like, oh, okay. And it's, and you can, and just by reading the first issue, um, you do treat her with this respect because there's something about how the artwork about her and how she, you know, uh, and how she's presented is, you know, you, you have respect for her, which is really nice. Thank and, you so much. I'm so glad that shows through. Um, it, because she's someone who knew exactly what she wanted and someone who kind of kept her cards to herself uh, and she didn't reveal all of her, her motivations for some of her requests. It's um, it was important for me to give readers a moment to kind of see how those conversations might go down. So for example, uh, her and her foreman have a private discussion about building a seance room and, it, and she has peculiar requests. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get to see right away what those requests are, but you will later in the issue. Um, and he immediately is, is you know, he, he, he starts questioning it. You know, his work as a construction worker kicks in. Yeah. He's like, you sure this is what you want? Yeah. And he makes it known this is exactly what I want. And, uh, and he realizes, okay, it's not my place to question. She has her reasons. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and it's kind of the beginning of a beautiful friendship between the two of them as well, which carried on for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. um, he's one of the few people who lived on the grounds, too. She built him a house. To live right there, um, basically in the backyard. Um, I think yeah. so. Uh, I, I I love seeing her, um, her kind of be mysterious with the reader, mm -hmm. um, because now what the reader has to do is try to kind of make up their mind 
from a multiple pieces of information that they're receiving from other people. So yes. the gossip amongst the, the crew is, is how you're going to get a lot of your story. Yes. Um, but it's up to you as you go to decide and determine how much is gossip and how much isn't. Um, because that's how it really was at the time. And part of, you know, the Winchester Mystery House is how many mysteries still remain. Although I, I can say that um, it is not a tease comic like you will get in the next issue. You'll get some answers. You'll get some um, some big things will happen. And by issue three, you're going to get quite a lot. Um, uh, the, the, I've been very, very lucky that the licenses have been so kind to kind of let me take the wheel a little bit on some mm -hmm. of the storytelling and, um, and offer up uh, some potential fictional reasons for some of the things that remain mysteries to this day in the house. So some of the things that you see in the house will, um, that, that there is no answer for, you will get an answer for in the comic book series for the first time, at least first time told the way that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been, I'm, I'm very, very excited. And, uh, and hopefully by the end of it, you love and appreciate Sarah as much as I do. Um, especially as we continue to introduce characters, um, we can continue to show you her relationships with those characters mm -hmm. and, uh, and how special uh, they all are individually. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's going to get really good. I'm really excited to keep this rolling. That's pretty awesome. Now, before I move on to the next part of the interview, um, again, um, and I'm sorry, please refresh my memory. The, the board game that you guys have is it out the win is it the winchester house a uh, winchester mystery house board game is that is that correct is yeah, that it's called floor plan the winchester mystery house is the, uh so winchester mystery house is the subtitle floor plan is the main name of the game okay. um there is we do have a, a regular version of floor plan that's in stores right now uh so if people want to get a feel for what the game will be like uh it's coming coming out next year you okay. can get floor plan right now and get a feel for a cool, fun architecture building game. But one of the things that the Winchester Mystery House edition will do is it expands it and, and uh, it offers up new rules. It offers up the opportunity to have the spirits help you uh -huh. and give you advantages to help you to guide you in the building of the mansion, which is totally new. And the big thing that a lot of floor plan fans are excited about is that we're adding the opportunity to build a second floor so right now the floor plans have always been single story homes yeah. except now you actually have an entire additional layer of house that you can build and it uh, adds some kind of cool um, opportunities for scoring and additional complexity to the gameplay and um, I in my personal opinion I think the Winchester Mystery House edition is even better I enjoy it so much more than the regular floor plan I'm having so much fun playing it mm -hmm. uh, so I can't wait for everybody to check that out uh, we don't have an official release date yet, but we're shooting for uh, for spring of next year. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, definitely. I hope everybody keeps their eyes peeled. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so now um, now Josh, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. It was back in August, right? That you went to you went you went to the the Winchester Mystery House. Is that correct? Uh, I think it was September. September. Might have been early around there. Yeah, early September, late August, something. Yeah. Like that. Okay, so, and then, um, I'm, you know, I know we you kind of certainly briefly described to listeners what the house is. Again, it's in San Jose. Um, um, I, I don't know. Do you want to add anything else about how, um, how the house is like? Did you guys, did you got, well, let me ask, did you guys go beyond the regular tour of the house? Did you guys go uh, to other rooms? 
because I had so many guests, we, we, we do is we held a private media event where we had a bunch of media guests. Um, they, they, we, we set up a little party for them basically. So we had, we fed them dinner and they all got to play prototypes of the game. Uh, and everybody got an ash can of the comic. And, uh, this was all took place in the carriage house, um, which was kind of like a big garage. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, Afterwards, we uh, went through the mansion on a tour in the dark with flashlights, oh which was God. so much fun. Um, but because we had, one, because it was dark, and two, because we had so many people, we did keep to a, a, a specific tour-guided yeah. area. And that's one thing that a lot of people might not realize is uh, if you have been there, um, chances are you, you really only saw a small portion of the house. It's probably a lot bigger than, you, than even you think. Uh -huh. uh, for example, there are 40 staircases in this house. And you can probably count the number of staircases you went on up and down, maybe on one hand, or maybe four or five on, the, on a typical tour. So just to try to like put that in people's minds, you start to realize, oh, wow, there's so much more to the house than, uh, than what even the tour shows. Uh -huh. um, and a lot of that is because... Um, one, because of the bizarre layout of the house. It, a lot of times it's hard to keep uh, traffic flowing. So you, you might have to go all the way to some places to turn around and come back, things like that. You have to double up over other guests. Uh, and of course, they've through COVID precautions, they've been trying to keep it as streamlined as possible. Uh, and then also there's parts of the house that are just, um, they're extremely old. And um, they every single bit of that house needs upkeep and, and updating and renovating to keep it um, to keep it safe and up to code and to keep it preserved in the best possible way. So um, because of that, I can say I highly, highly recommend everyone support this house as best you can. Go on the tours, buy things in the gift shop because all of that money is going to continue to help keep this house beautiful and will you know, potentially open up additional sections of the tour as the money comes in to allow them to continue to renovate everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you want to see more of the house, just the more support you give, the, the more you'll get to see. Now, um, now I, know we, um, I know we talked a little bit about how Sarah Winchester, you know, architectural type, like she was way ahead of her time. I'm going to ask because I, because did you guys go on to the, um, the staircase where it was like two, in, like the steps were like two inches apart? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it kind of, uh, it's, it winds back and forth um, so that by the time you've gone up several steps, you've only gone up about half a flight. Um, uh, and this was, uh, they're, they're called the switchback stairs. Um, uh, this was largely because uh, Sarah had um, some pretty bad arthritis and she couldn't lift her feet up very high. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so this was a very special staircase that was built for her. She was very small and slight. So um, the, the staircase itself feels very small too. It's very, very thin mm -hmm. because it, it, it's like spitting three staircases in, you know, next to each other in one essentially. Um, but yeah, these were the kind of things that were specially built to just, uh, just for her. There's some, some of the doors in the house are extremely small because they were just kind of made for her. Uh, uh, but but some of my favorite things are, are her methods of communication. They, um, she designed this thing called the Annunciator, and it would be like a big call box um, that would be in uh, like a, a headquarters station where all the maids would be. And because she'd be very, very far away, if she needed to get in contact with them, she would have to walk through 160 rooms to find them, which is not, you know, ideal. So she would have these boxes all throughout the house where she could go push a button and this system would trigger 
the annunciator to drop a card down into, uh, into a slot that they could see and that card would have a number on it. And then they had each room had a number associated with it. So they would say, Sarah needs us and she's in room you know, number 78. Oh, that's the conservatory in the West Wing, go, you know, on the second mm -hmm. floor, whatever the case might be. Um, I thought that was just, just brilliant. Um, and uh, makes perfect sense too. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also some of the ways that they would kind of try to move some of the heat throughout the house is really um, incredible for its time for such a massive mansion to be able to heat the whole place, especially with the conserv indoor conservatories. Um, she really had to a lot of amazing exotic plants that she needed to keep alive and uh, and well. So she had to kind of direct a lot of air and and warmth to those rooms while also being able to water very large plants regularly indoors mm -hmm. uh, and, and not being on a ground floor. So she had built uh, basically like irrigation systems that would allow all of the, the water to run straight down into slats under the floor and then would travel that, you know, that water would travel to other parts of the house. Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty, pretty remarkable, you know, especially at a time when, you know, most people were carrying buckets of water around their home. <laughs> yes. um, now, um, let's see, when you were there visiting, you were allowed to do something a few people have ever done. Can you tell the listeners what was it that you did? You had it on your, your Twitter feed. I was, uh, oh, so honored. Um, so I was there on Friday the 13th, and uh, that is a really special day for the Winchester Mystery House. Um, Sarah had uh, an obsession with the number 13. Um, she kind of, um, she believed that it held a lot of power. And so the number 13 appears throughout the mansion several times in a lot of different ways. And um, when, when she passed away, uh, her famous bell tower that would be rung at midnight every night to allow, like to let the workers know that she wasn't to be bothered, that she was going to stand for him. Um, it, uh, they decided that it would no longer be used except any time that, uh, the calendar would fall on a Friday the 13th. They ring the bell 13 times on the 13th hour. So, so 1 PM, it, they have a little bell ringing ceremony. And since that was the day that I was there, I, um, I was, uh, asked if I would go up in the bell tower and be the person to ring the bell 13 times. And this is, uh, just absolutely nerve wracking. As I find out that very, very, very few people are allowed to touch the bell at all. There's usually a historian that does it. And um, most of the people who work on the grounds have never been allowed to touch it. Not even the general manager of the whole estate has ever rang the bell. Uh, so it's reserved for very, very special guests. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, was, <laughs> I was super honored. And then uh, as I'm discussing with the historian about 30 seconds before we're about to do this, um, you know, one, there's a big pane of glass underneath, you know, under, underneath the bell tower. So if you, if you, you know, trip or stumble or something, mm -hmm. you could potentially uh, be a dangerous situation. So you have to like stick to the edges and not fall through the glass. And then um, uh, on top of that, she said, you know, this is a really large bell. And by the time you get to, to 12, 13 rings, it's got a lot of momentum. The bell's going to want to keep ringing all by itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so you cannot let that happen. Not, no one in the history of this bell ringing ceremony has ever let it ring a 14th time. Don't, don't let it ring a 14th time. And so I'm like, well, okay, how do I stop it? So there's two ropes, one that goes up while the other goes down and vice versa, because um, it's a pulley system. 
So you're pulling on one of the ropes while the other one is just moving freely. So what you have to do is you have to grab both ropes and stop them both from going up or down. And the bell will kind of fizzle itself out and not have enough momentum to get a full 14th, you know, ring. Um, but of course I said, okay, well, if I mess this up and I get the wrong number of rings, can we just not tell people that it was me ringing the bell? And that's when they said, no, we're going to live stream it on the internet. <laughs> so no pressure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it went great. Uh, I am 99% sure it only rang 13 times. I've, I've, <laughs> I counted it in my head and I watched the video multiple times. But, uh, but it, it, I killed it. It went great. I did no yeah. problem. No problems at all. <laughs> oh, my God. So, wait a minute. So, 30, they, they kind of, like, they, they just, like, give you a quick instructions of, okay, ring it 13 times. Just be careful. Oh, yeah, don't, don't, and be careful. Don't step on the glass, you know, the, gla the glass floor, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. And all this was delivered to me very quickly. And this was my fault, too, is because I was running really late. I, there was, so, I was already very anxious. Um, I, we were on the phone on the way there. It's, you know, they were like, listen, this has to happen at one o'clock. It can't happen at one Oh one. You know, it has to happen exactly now. But I totally understand if I don't make it in time, please just have somebody bring it, you know, instead. And I'm so sorry for this, but uh, I jumped out of a moving car at the front of the, at the front of the building. I had somebody there waiting for me. They grabbed my arm. We ran through the house, through a portion of the house that is not on the tour because it was a shortcut to get to that part of the bell tower. Um, meanwhile, I'm looking all over like, oh, wow, where are we? And they're like, don't worry about that. We have to go. Um, and they managed to get me there right before, just in time. I, I, I think I got to the bell tower about probably about 70 seconds before I had to start ringing. So a lot of this was delivered very, very quickly. And I was like, wait, wait, what? It was, it was, I was like, oh, no, this is this is a really high pressure situation. I definitely wish I'd been here a little sooner to kind of uh, let this sit in my mind a little longer, but, but it went great. It went really well. No, because I watched the video. Um, it was great. It, it, it looked like, Oh my God, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. So cool. And such a, just a neat part of, of history of that home to be able to, to yes. be part of and touch. And now it's kind of cemented in that, you know, there's a date on the calendar where, I was there the one, you know, doing this. It's pretty cool. And then I think the other, I think the nice thing about it is they still have to, they're still um, honoring Sarah's wishes. You know, yeah. it's like they're kind of going, no, we can't go, you know, we need to do this exactly at one. No, it cannot ring more than, you know, don't let it ring the 14th time. No, we, you know, it's, yeah. So that's, that is really check. You're right. It was definitely August. It was not September. I don't know why I thought it was September. No, don't, don't worry. Because I, Months are flying by. No, yes. That, yeah. So don't worry because I was kind of going, I, well, I know, I know it was, yeah, it was. Whichever one had a Friday the 13th in it. That was when I was there. <laughs> but yeah, it was August. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just uh, awesome experience. I'm so, so lucky to, uh, to have been there on that day and for them to, to let me do that. It was something else. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, did you go, because the tours normally go, they take tours to the seance room. I take it you guys, of course they showed you guys a seance room, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was my first time. My first time in the house was being uh, on this tour with all these media guests. So it was really funny because a lot of their eyes were on me. They were watching for my reactions uh -huh. to each room because each room was so familiar to me. I, I'd done this virtual walkthrough, you know, well over 20 times into each room. I'd written about the rooms. I'd looked 
you know, endlessly at photographs. And um, for, it was a big deal to, you know, to me uh, to be in each of these places that I felt like I knew so well. And um, I, I, at this point, I could give the tour myself. You know, I could tell them each, you know, everybody, the history of each room. And, and so when I got to the Sands room, all eyes were on me. Everybody um, was like, how, do you, how are you feeling right now? Like, yeah. is this a moment for you? And it, and it was a huge moment. And, and sadly, um, because we were there in the dark and we, ha we only had flashlights, it was really difficult to take photos. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone on the, in the group, they, there was this beautiful moment where they said, Josh, we would love to have a photo of you in the Sands room you know, that you can keep. And, and, and I said, well, we're not allowed to do any flash photography in the house. I'm really sorry. They said, okay, everyone put, put your flashlights on Josh at the yeah. same time and like light him up as bright as we can. And we'll take a picture of him in the room that he can, he can have. And um, that was, uh, that was just super thoughtful and, and, and kind. And um, yeah. yeah, we had, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to be in there and to see everything. Uh, for those who don't know, the Sands room is a, a very peculiar room. Sarah was always seen going in the room, but never seen exiting. Uh -huh. uh, and when you go in the room, you'll immediately see that the room, the door that you came in uh, is not the only door in the room. There's a second door. But if you were to try to exit out that door, you would fall. There's no floor. You would fall straight down uh, to into a, a sink, actually, uh, a floor below. And, um, and so people say, well, how did she exit the room? Well, she had a special hidden door built into a cabinet. So mm -hmm. there's two big blue cabinets. And if you open one of them, you'll see um, some hooks, like, uh, like clothing hooks. And if you count the clothing hooks on the wall, in addition to the ones inside the cabinet, there are 13 of them total. And then if you open the other cabinet, it is a, a secret door that you would exit through. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so to continue on the tour, you all have to go through the secret door um, that Sarah did. And, uh, and that takes you into a very unfinished room. Because it was a secret room, um, it's thought that not very many workers were privy to it. Not very many workers got to work on it. And therefore, it was never actually finished. Uh, and it has a very creepy vibe too. That 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 room that's on the other side of that that cabinet is very strange uh, feeling to it. Uh, we had a lot of ghost hunters uh, uh, with us too from different podcasts and things that were part of the guests who were uh, who were you know asked to come out, and they were having a great time. Uh, a lot of them had already been there several times, but mm -hmm. they just love coming back. So um, it was a it was really really cool experience, and I'm I'm glad that while I kind of wish that I had access to more of the house and was alone and had you know, daylight and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it was a really cool doing it in the dark and doing it with, with, with friends and doing it with, uh, with all these wonderful people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Now on the tour, did they mention any um, ghost stories or anything from different, from past tours or anything like that? Yes. In fact, they put together a very special um, version of the tour that, uh, that was not the usual one. So they usually have sort of a script that they work from. Um, mm -hmm. And they either have a self-guided tour where they have audio that automatically plays as you enter the rooms, or they have, you know, human beings, you know, with you telling you in person. So this was a self-guided tour, but the audio that was playing in each room was a, was a custom made one that was specific to that day. And instead of telling you just the history of the house and the construction of each room, it told you the history of the hauntings of each room. Oh. Um, so it was basically the, the ghost version of it. And I'll be honest, I 
hardly caught anything that anyone was saying because my I was so fixated on every little detail of every room and I was making all these mental notes for the comic book series. Yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't notice the molding in this corner, you know, things like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody else is eating up all this rich, wonderful, you know, ghost stories. I'm, I'm so infatuated with all the visuals that, uh, uh, and, you know, which I have to use a flashlight for. So I'm looking at like inch by yeah. inch yes. across the room. Um, so I felt like I missed, like I missed all the good stuff of the tour because I was, do, I was just trying to soak in everything for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely somewhere I, I can't wait to go back to and can't wait to revisit. Oh, yes. If you, yeah, if you get a chance. I mean, I would love to do one in like one of those nighttime ones. Oh, that sounds good. But if you get a chance, yeah, the, when you go during the daytime, it's, it's incredible. Then you'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, sorry, Josh. I'm going to kind of because I remember the last tour I did was back in 1990. Sorry, I'm gonna sorry because I know we went because the tour group took us the the tour guide took us to the seance room, so we were there and then I remember the tour guide specifically told us a story about, um, you know she was doing a tour it was Halloween, you know it was Halloween night they're doing you know and I forget if now I forget if someone had a Polaroid camera back then you know those it's those take it and then it instantly develops like within a minute this is for our listeners or if digital cameras were slowly coming out, i can't remember because all i remember was she told us that someone took a picture when they were in the seance room on halloween and then they're going through the tour you know and they're finishing up the tour and then they pull and then you know they see the picture of the seance room and they see this big black spot in the middle of the seance room and it wasn't it wasn't like um, um, some type of camera, you know, it wasn't some um, something you could explain away. It was just something freaky. You could tell something was there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so cool. They, some of those types of experiences were included in this version of the tour. Um, so they would have um, set up on easels throughout the house, blown up photographs that had been taken uh, by sometimes by people on tours over the, over you know period of long period of time, yeah. and they would have kind of the best of. Uh, so so as you'd go, you'd see like oh wow this was a photo someone took of a ghost through the window when the ghost would have been standing right here in this room at the time that this yes. was taken. Um, so there was a lot of that, which was very very cool, just incredible pictures. Oh yeah, um, let's see, um, let's see. Then before I start moving on talk about the trade did anything happen to you guys while you guys were on the tour so i had um i had it was very interesting so nothing nothing uh nothing paranormal happened to me on the tour but i definitely had a lot of different uh feelings about different rooms yes. and they were kind of validated by i was keeping them to myself but um, they were kind of validated by one of the ghost hunting podcasts they had somebody who was extremely uh sensitive to the paranormal uh, uh you know, close to what we consider a medium uh, with them. And she was um, audibly saying out loud how she was feeling because they were, they were recording it as they would walk. And, uh, and it, it was very much matching, you know, what I was thinking in my head each time. I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. The other people are feeling a certain way about this room as well. And, and it would be, so for me personally, because I'm so interested and so fascinated in every detail of each room, uh, I want to be there. I want to spend as much time in each one as I can but there would be a couple rooms that would almost feel 
like they're just squeezing you out. Like you just don't want to be in there any longer. And you're not sure why that you feel almost claustrophobic. And, and yet, you know, that it's not due to the size of the room or the amount of space because you were in a, you know, smaller room earlier that was fine. And this one yeah. has, you know, plenty of space, but there are certain rooms like that that just felt almost aggressive and like they didn't want you in there. And you just instinctively wanted to continue to the next part of the tour as quickly yes. as you could, uh, which went, worked against my, you know, desire to be in every room as long as, mm-hmm. I, as, yeah. long as I could. So I, I made sure to kind of note at every time that I felt like I needed to keep moving um, because I'm like, why, why do I feel this way? You know, and tried to kind of put it into words in my head. And then shortly behind me, I'd, I'd hear them come into the room and have the same exact experience. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I also had um, uh, a lot of the employees um, pull me aside and say uh, they, some of them recognized me from my San Diego comic-con video. And, uh, and even with my mask on, they said, are you the writer for the comic book series? I was like, yeah, we're doing an event today, blah, blah, blah. They're like, Oh man, I'm so glad that I spotted you. And then I recognized you. I have stories to tell you about working here. And I'm like, Oh great. I want to hear everything. And, um, so yeah, it was really fun getting, you know, hearing workers tell me that like, I've only worked here for two months, but I've had stuff happen almost every week. Like, here's what happened to me right over here in this room. And I just thought that was, that was amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. It's really incredible. So listeners, you know, you know, if you guys have, I, I'm sure most of us, uh, most of the listeners have heard about the Winchester uh, mystery house. If you have not um, gone to this tourist attraction in San Jose, you know, I strongly recommend it. It's incredible. And it's not just for the, the paranormal experience, but, but it's just the beautiful design of the home too, as well. Absolutely. The unique, the uniqueness of it too. Yeah. Okay. So Josh, I'm sorry. So we're going to continue on. So now you had a trade that came out, I want to say probably in September. So it was called um, Jay Warner Presents Classic Poultry. May I ask, can you tell our listeners what is the trade about? Sure, absolutely. So um, this collects uh, a series of one shots um, that I put out that are um, they're, they're curated comic stories and, and more um, from the 40s primarily mm-hmm. that I have uh, digitally restored and remastered essentially. Um, most of these are stories that are that are lost to time. They're almost impossible to read these days. You can't you, to get your hands on one of the original copies is extremely difficult. Either they're one, they're CGC graded and uh, very expensive, mm-hmm. or two, the remaining copies today are heavily damaged. Mm-hmm. So, um, t- like tears and rips and water damage, and sometimes there's crayon marks. And um, so, what I do is uh, I go panel by panel and I clean everything up and try to, sometimes I have to recreate some of the art that might be missing. And, uh, and I try to get it as close to the way it originally looked and was printed um, as possible. Therefore, like what you end up with is, is the next best thing to a time machine. Yes. So that you can kind of uh, enjoy these the way that they were always meant to be. And so that, that they're not lost to time. That's a huge fear of mine that there's so much great content in the world that at some point will just no longer exist. And I'm a big fan of preserving the past. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, now, how do you come across, how do you get these stories or the comics? Like, you know, does someone give them to you or do you come across them, you know, at conventions or? Um, both. Uh, so a lot of them, um, they come from my own personal collection. 
um, of old pulp comics. And because I have very limited budget for such things, my, my copies that I'm able to get oftentimes tend to be in, in pretty bad shape. Uh, and sometimes they're even missing covers and things like that. Um, sometimes they're missing pages. Um, so I might have to kind of use what I can get and then get the rest from someone else. Or um, I'm very lucky there's a lot of great collectors in the world who um, are more than happy to share scans um, that they've taken. Oh, okay. And then I work from those. And uh, uh, it's sometimes I, I even have people mail me things uh, and let me borrow them for a brief time as long as I promise to take good care of them and get them back. And, uh, and that's, that's just awesome. It's kind of in that way, a nice collaborative effort of just people coming together with you know, what little remnants they have of this era and, uh, and making sure that we can keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who are wondering, that does, yes, that means the stories are in the public domain. Uh, that does not mean that my comic is in the public domain. So if you're thinking about scanning my pages, that's not how this works, unfortunately. <laughs> my version is the, the restored version. So that is a copyrighted version of the comic. But um, each of the one shots mm-hmm. focuses on um, uh, like a different genre or subgenre. And I try to include as many bonus goodies as possible. So, um, so this one, it collects classic pulp ghosts, which is uh, a collection of ghost stories. Uh, also includes a really neat uh, magazine article, um, some some ghost prose stories, some true history uh, ghost legends, and some ghost comics. And then um, I have one that is just a, a straightforward horror one shot that's included in here, and it has um, it has some werewolf stories, all sorts of cool horror stuff. Uh, and then there is a detectives one, which covers a lot of a lot of really cool things, including um, uh, like little whodunit mysteries you have to figure out yourself by turning the page upside down to read the answer. Um, uh, some, some notes and tips on how to become a better detective yourself as well. Um, I love all that stuff. There's some pro stories from that. And then there's a, a very cool curated collection of Ellery Queen stories uh, mm-hmm. spe- specifically. He was a fantastic character for those who don't know. Um, uh, Ellery Queen had several novels and movies and uh, radio shows and, um, uh, ended up spawning the Ellery Queens Mystery Magazine, which is still going on to this day. Oh, okay, um, very cool. Uh, it's uh, it's almost a hundred years old, I think now. That magazine. Mm-hmm. So it's um, uh, uh, on top of that, this collects all the one shots so far, and it has additional bonus content that um, that I that I got my hands on and cleaned up specifically for the collection. Uh, so anybody who's just interested in checking out old pulp stories and just wants to read them and doesn't want to have to try to hunt down and collect these extremely rare and valuable comics and then, you know, be terrified to read them after that because you don't want anything bad to happen to them. This is your alternative. You just buy my classic pulp comics and you just get to kind of enjoy them for what they are. Now, I know the last time when we talked, you were talking about uh, you were doing this. Um, how long have you been doing this? You know, like scanning it, cleaning it up, you know, because it's a labor of love, right? Yeah. It's not something I, I can't keep classic pulp on a regular release schedule because it's not something I have a lot of time for. It's something I do as more of a hobby. And um, I've been, I've been doing this um, since actually since 2013, I had a ton, a ton of other content um, that I'd been working on kind of redoing and cleaning up uh, that I'd been storing. I had, in fact, I had this big, huge, uh, <laughs> 
folder just full of subfolders of all these different series where I've been collecting as many high-res scans as I could from things that I borrowed and things um, that I had purchased. And, uh, and then I've been slowly um, cleaning them all up mm-hmm. when I could. And then when, when the time comes and I have, I have you know, enough to kind of put together similar stories, that's when I grab a bunch of the work that I finished and say, this would be make a good comic and put it together for a classic pulp one shots. Um, problem is recently I was in Atlanta for a convention and um, I had uh, everything stolen yes, from me. Twitter. And uh, it includes the, the th- among the things that were stolen while I was there was the hard drive that have, uh, that had 100% of all of my files for this. So every, everything that I'd ever done for classic pulp is gone. And, um, years worth of, of a collection, big collection um, that I'd been working on cleaning up and remastering for all the future classic pulp releases is gone. Um, in fact, even the files for this, this particular trade that's in stores now were, were stolen. Luckily, I was able to get files from the previous one shots and, and recreate this. All I had to do was recreate all the bonus content um, because I had the you know, files for the individual issues from the you know, other printings. But all the other ones that I'd been working on that I'd, you know, had lined up for the next like two years of content is, is gone. So I have to kind of start from scratch, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. It's a good thing I enjoy doing it so much. <laughs> so I don't... Now, before I start, because I'm slowly wrapping this up, before I, um, one other thing, now, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, because some of these, um, these, um, pre-code comics some of them didn't give credit to who the writers or whoever is that correct yeah that was a big problem back then so few creators were getting any kind of credits in writing um so sometimes you might just get the writer sometimes you get an artist sometimes there would just be no no credits at all um especially short pro stories um that were in you know uh comics or, or magazines they they wouldn't bother they wouldn't bother crediting most of them um it wasn't until a name got big that they bothered like trying to show off that name. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it, as these people pass away and as these comics get further and further lost to time, now um, who did what is even harder to, to know. There's going to, for it's potentially, there's going to be stories that we don't know who created them for the rest of time. Um, so I figure if I'm going to be doing this and trying to preserve the past, I need to do my due diligence and, uh, and do my best to, go beyond what the original publications did and, and, and find, uh-huh. find the people who worked on these. Um, even though uh, most of them have passed away, I, I, um, I'm able to often get some confirmations from some grandchildren. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I, I only have a hunch to go on. Um, luckily, uh, there's a great community of people online who um, that's all they do is sit there and try to figure these sort of things out. So I read through a lot of blogs and, mm-hmm. and follow a lot of leads that I get from those where people are like, I believe this was done by this person because look at the similarities between this work and this work. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, I don't put, I don't put anything in there that I don't know to be true. So, uh, whenever you see a credit in the comic, it's, it usually comes from the research that I did. And it's usually about as confirmed as we can get based on who's alive today. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to, to tell us as much. Uh, and then anybody that I can't tell you for sure um, who did it, I'd still, I list as being still unknown. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something I kind of talk about throughout the comics. And in this trade, I have each, each section, I have like a little intro where I'll discuss that. And I, I list all the credits that I could get my hands on. But that's also just kind of part of the labor of love. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, um, what was one of the best responses that you ever got from like a distant relative or, you know, one of the grandchildrens that you ever received after printing one of the remastered stories? Um, I've definitely, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm legitimately surprised at the kind of the, the disconnect that some people have from their lineage of, if I, if I, if, if I was, you know, approached with such a thing, I'd be, I'd be so thrilled to yeah. help. But, uh, and sometimes I'm, sometimes that is the case. So sometimes people, um, they just, they just don't know, or, or they even have some of their, you know, grandparents things and they just don't have the time to go through them. And, um, uh, and then other people, sometimes they are, they're just super excited to see that uh, someone's going to get to enjoy something that, that one of their, you know, family members created uh, again, you know, potentially and for a whole new generation is able to, to see that work. And that might be the only way they ever get to see that work or anyone ever gets to see that work again. So it's some, um, uh, it usually means a lot and, and people are, are usually happy to help when they can. That's pretty nice. All right. So a um, couple more, a few more questions. Um, now, are there any upcoming SourcePoint Press comics that listeners should check out? Um, well, definitely uh, at this point in time, Winchester Mystery House number two, as we said, it is, is hitting stores and you should definitely go try to track it down and grab it if you can. Um, and right now we have a ton of really cool new things coming out that are available to pre-order. So a lot of people, they, um, you know, they, have, they struggle kind of getting their hands on our stuff in stores because it tends to sell out quickly. Uh-huh. So I really highly recommend everybody kind of get used to, to looking at our, um, our books a couple months ahead of time, which is what, what we'd really push. If you go to our social media pages, we're not, we're not always pushing what's hitting stores right now. We're usually put, telling you what's coming up mm-hmm. and giving you uh, previews codes, things like that, so that you can go into your comic shop and say, can you get this in for me? And say, oh, yeah, it's, it's available to order this month for me. And yeah, I'll have it in, in two months and uh, I'll put it aside for you. That is really the best way to try to get your hands on, on stuff you're excited about. Um, for those who are into horror, we have a new comic book series that's up to pre-order right now. Um, it's called Cover of Darkness. Uh, it's by a writer named George McHale. And I'm really, really excited for this series. I think it's going to be huge um, for, for fans of, of Monstrous, our comic book series Monstrous. I think you'll definitely love it. Anybody who loves old school monsters will enjoy it. Um, but also, it's just a really good story of, of, uh, of, of people, of humanity, mm-hmm. um, fighting to try to find one another and to for people uh, going on these big dangerous quests to track down their family and be together. Uh-huh. And along the way you get, you know, Frankenstein's monster and you get this, you know, the Gilman creature and you get werewolves and all of the classic monsters. Um, it's going to be such a great series. I'm so excited for it. So that's the one I'm kind of really, uh, and, and so that everyone knows there's no bias here. Like I, I yes, I'm publishing it, but I, I didn't write it. I didn't illustrate it. I had nothing to do with it. Um, I'm just really proud of it. I'm really excited for that creative team to, uh, to get some bigger distribution on these just awesome, awesome books. So that's the one I'm kind of most excited for right now. Okay. And also we have, um, if anybody who's into Kickstarters right now, we have a, a brand spanking new Kickstarter for a really cool comic called Postmasters. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a, a Mad Max style future where it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland and, some of the, the most uh, feared warriors are the, um, 
the postmasters, the, uh, the postmen and women who are still delivering the mail, uh, no matter what it takes. So they're fighting their way through this, this you know, dangerous, treacherous wasteland with mm -hmm. their swords and weapons to ensure that the mail is still on time. And that is one of the last remaining posts of like of of the you know shambles that the government has become, mm -hmm. and uh, it's such a really cool concept. It's written by Garrett Gunn, and I highly recommend people check it out on Kickstarter right now. Okay, all right. Um, now, Josh, I have to say I must apologize. The last time you were on the show, I did not give listeners a list of your past works as a writer or artist. Are there any of your previous works that you're proud of that you want listeners to check out? or anything that stands out, I should say. Sure, I mean, I've done a lot of weird little things. Like if you find, if you really dig, you're gonna find that I did a ton of stuff uh, that's just, a lot of it's kind of old, not a print. Um, I, um, I came into this industry as a creator and then I kind of, at one point, decided to, to dedicate myself to, to helping other people's projects along. Mm -hmm. So I became an editor and a project manager and an art director. And, um, and I wanted to really give that my all. And one of the things that I, I don't want SourcePoint to be is a, is a vanity press. I don't want it to be just like my outlet for all my own work. Mm -hmm. So um, if you dig around, you'll find, um, you'll find Caliber Comics is still publishing um, some of my work. If you look at the HP Lovecraft's uh, early stories collection, you'll see um, I did illustrations for some Lovecraft work there. Um, uh, if you like Sherlock Holmes, there's a Sherlock Holmes book, The Caliber, um, Caliber publishes still to this day that has uh, uh, cover art by me and illustrations by me. Um, uh, if you're into historical fiction like Winchester Mystery House, then I highly recommend my book Rampant. It's a novella that I wrote. Mm -hmm. um, it's very much in the vein of, of, of both horror and history. It's kind of really combining my two loves and I'm very, very proud of that book. Uh, we actually just took it out of print, though. So anybody who wants to try to get their hands on a copy, if you can find it right now on, say, Amazon or eBay, mm -hmm. I definitely recommend you grab it because it's going to get really hard to get that edition. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be doing um, a, a new edition of it, but probably not for about a year. And that's going to be uh, – um, I'm actually adding, I'm adding some chapters to it. We're going to, like, re-release it through Simon & Schuster. So it'll be in bookstores, and okay. it'll be bigger and cooler than ever before. Um, there's also a collection of my, of my horror stories called, uh, Adoration for the Dead. Uh, if you're just really into horror, I highly recommend that because, uh, I tackle each kind of subgenre of horror. Um, so you'll see some, you'll see some, some, some ghost stuff. You'll see mm -hmm. some demonic stuff. You'll see some, uh, some serial killer stuff, uh, a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, you'll see, you'll find the, I do a lot of covers, a lot of cover art. So my covers kind of get collectible. You know, you can track down some of the different comic books I've done covers for. Um, otherwise, if you're looking for comics, mm -hmm. um, most of my comics that I've done are actually out of print now. And I kind of like it that way. It's interesting. Whenever somebody brings one to me at mm -hmm. a convention to sign, say like the Zombie Rush Riot or Jack of Spades or something like that, I'm always blown away by it. Like, oh, how did you get your hands on this? And there's always a story. <laughs> and it was, it, it was either like, oh, I met you years ago or uh, I went to this comic shop or I found this in someone else's collection or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the case. Um, but, um, but I'm still creating, you know, I step in, I jump in, I do letters sometimes, um, or, um, I'll be take on, you know, editor for like an amazing project like Damnation of Charlie Wormwood. 
Uh, sometimes I just do colors, uh, like say a Halston graphic novels. You'll see that I do colors for those. Um, yeah, a little, I'm, I'm everywhere, but mm -hmm. I, I definitely can't take credit for, for most of these things. I'm very lucky to be working with so many creative people that are just far better than me. That, that's the dream right there, to surround yourself with the best in the industry. Mm -hmm. Any last words to our listeners? Um, only that I cannot thank you enough for, for listening to this, for sticking around and listening to me go on and on. And thank you all so much for your interest and your support. Uh, I've done some, a lot of traveling recently. And, um, uh, in fact, just this past weekend, I was just flooded with some warmth and generosity and just kind words from all these people who picked up the Winchester Mystery House. And I was blown away and, uh, I can't thank you all enough for allowing me to do this. So Josh, you know, I want to wish you all the success with the Winchester Mystery House um, series, you know, and also Josh, thank you very much. You know, mahalo, you know, thank you in Hawaii. Thank you for your time and giving me the opportunity to interview you again. Thank you very much for coming back on the show. And I also want to thank you for, you know, you've helped set up interviews, um, earlier this year with um, other writers from SourcePoint Press, like Josh Stafford and Howard um, Wong. Um, they wrote the um, Damn Cursed Children. Um, Rylan Grant, who is the writer of Suicide Jockeys. You know, and also too, you, um, you, you've helped set up um, our upcoming interview with writers Garrett Gunn and Christina Blanche for, correct me if I'm wrong, Good Boy, correct? Yes, yep. I'll be interviewing them um, within the next week. So, you know, Josh, thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, I'm, that's thank what I'm here for. So happy to. <laughs> thank you very much. So now, if you are a new listener or a longtime reader, please check out Josh's um, The Winchester uh, Mystery House. You know, see, see if you can still get number one from your um, issue number one from your local comic shop. Issue number two should be already out in stores. <clears throat> Excuse me. Issue three will be coming out on December 29th. The order code is OCT211752. And also, too, check out Jay Warner Presents Pope Classic Trades. That's out in stores right now. And I want to thank Drew the Coles for Comics for Fun and Profit. Drew, um, thank you very much for all your hard work in putting this episode together um, and also doing all the behind-the-scenes work. Thank you very much. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha.